Hello and welcome to Raise the Room podcast. I'm your host, Danica. Here at Raise the Room, we are trying to consciously raise our kids, re-raise ourselves, and by doing so, raise the vibe of any room we walk into simply with our authenticity. Now let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Raise the Room. I am Danica, your host, and today we're going to be talking about human design, specifically how it can be a really wonderful tool in your parenting toolkit. It's definitely a niche topic, but I really feel like it helps parents have some basis to go from for understanding their child. Or in the simplest of terms, it can even just be a wonderful validation for things that you already know and intuit about your child and yourself, honestly. So it took me a couple of years after having a child to find human design. And when I did, it really felt like it unlocked my understanding of my son to a whole new level. Because I think what it did was it took off the glasses that I was wearing to try and see him through the child that I expected to have, the child that I thought I should have, and actually saw him for who he was and how he was born. Human design is about the blueprint that you were born with. It takes the time and location of your birth and generates a chart that talks about your energetic makeup, your gifts, your needs, the way you operate in the world, and so much more. And I think it's really easy before we have children to have these preconceived notions of what our kids are going to be like, how we're going to parent, what we think is acceptable, what we don't. I mean, we've all been the friends in the room watching our friends parent and being like, what the heck are they doing (laughs) before we have kids? (laughs) I think we should call these PK notions, pre-kids notions. And then you get thrown into parenting and there's the stark difference of post-kids reality, PK reality maybe. (laughs) Honestly, it is humbling And it's hard to take. And I think so much of our frustration in parenting can come from having to let go of our ideas of what we thought parenting in general was going to be like, what we thought our children were going to be like, and just how we figured we'd function as a family unit. So much of that gets thrown out the window. And human design is a really nice place to ground yourself in understanding each other's uniqueness looking at the family unit and being like, okay, this is what works for you. This is what works for me. How can we work together? Actually, just even as a little backstory, when I first learned about human design, it was obviously to learn about my own design first, and then eventually it moved on to understanding my kids. And the first thing I wanted to do after I figured out my design was to understand my husband. (laughs) And I truly was like, oh, he's going to be the opposite of me. Like, there's no way we're the same. And when I looked up his chart, the three main aspects of our chart were the exact same. He is also a 2-4 splenic projector. (laughs) I was like, what? But learning what those three things mean, I can really see how he, he is those things, obviously. But I could also really clearly see where I was misjudging him, where I was seeing him through eyes 
that had their own expectations as opposed to seeing him for what he truly was and who he truly is. And learning that if you're a projector, bitterness is your cue that something is out of alignment. And thinking about the arenas in his life where he's constantly bitter, (laughs) I was like, oh, this makes sense. And then understanding that the root cause of that for a projector a lot of the time is not feeling seen. And so bringing that to him and just being like, hey, what do you think about this (laughs) through this lens of human design? Or for example, projectors need a lot of alone time. So do people with a second line like him, the two and the four. And realizing that I, in learning my own human design, knew I needed a lot of alone time, had this big epiphany as to like why that parenting felt so difficult, or that was one of the aspects why, and then started to prioritize alone time for myself, learning that he needed it just as much as I did was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Now we can have this understanding that we both need it. We can spell each other off. We can have family time when we need to, but we can really be conscious of each other's needs. And it sounds so basic when you say it like that, but seeing it through the lens of human design and on the chart, and it's like, okay, hey, if we can fit some more alone time in for him, then maybe, you know, the bitterness thing won't be such an issue as it was for me. Just like astrology or Enneagram or whatever, there's no bad profiles. There's no bad human designs. There's nothing wrong with any of the types. There sometimes just are mismatches in your energy. And we'll kind of talk about that a little bit later, probably with the example of me and my kids. (laughs) But seeing that he actually was the same as me was such an eye-opener. And it made me see him truly differently in a good way. It made me understand him better. And I think as a whole, it's helped our family unit because understanding his human design as well as my own human design, we have something to go from. It's almost like we have these little markers that we can check in with and be like, hey, is this an alignment? Is this working for us? If something isn't, then we can adjust. And I always say that to people at the end of my sessions. It's like by the end of our session, I hope that you have a little checklist of things you can go back on that are supposed to be a good match for your design. And then if something isn't a match in your life or even just in your day, you can then try and make the necessary changes. I think it's also important to acknowledge that one of the reasons why human design probably felt like such a natural fit for me personally is that I hold the belief that our children come through us. They're here on their own soul's journey. I think that it's a mutual relationship. They've chosen us to be their parents for the lessons that they need to learn for their own soul's journey. And we have them as our children for the lessons that we need to learn for our soul's journey. Because of this, getting to see the energetic imprint that they have upon taking their first breath really helps us honor who they are outside of us and outside of society's expectations of them. This isn't to say that they get to call the shots 100% of the time or that that there's nothing of our influence over them. 
Of course not. They are literally created from our bodies a lot of the time, or if that's not the way that your child came into the world, they are in our environment and our sphere every single day. We are going to rub off on them for better or for worse. And sometimes we are the wisdom keepers. We are the ones that have had the experience that know the outcome and that can guide them in a way that supports their learning. Sometimes, frankly, we just know better. It is what it is. But when it comes to understanding themselves, human design really allows you to trust in your kid's own innate understanding of themselves. Our kids already know what feels right to them. They already know what they want, what they don't want, what they like. They only start to question that and have difficulties with that when what they like and how they are isn't met with a loving and encouraging response. And don't get me wrong, sometimes being loving and encouraging when they're just being themselves is really freaking hard. (laughs) I always joke that my kid's strong will is going to get them far in life, but it is really, really hard to parent. Or when they are just being themselves by doing something that honestly is just really embarrassing. Like your ego is like, oh my goodness, please, please don't do that in public. (laughs) And yet, if I'm being honest, one of my main parenting intentions is to foster their natural, authentic selves from the get-go. I really want our home to be a place where they can express what they need to express, where they feel seen and supported. And so understanding their design definitely gives me something to go from. It gives me a basis that allows me to accept the differences, I think, more naturally than maybe if I was just guessing. And I recognize this is not everybody's parenting intention. Some people really firmly believe that it is only nurture. It's not nature. And human design definitely heavily relies on the idea of nature, (laughs) As for most things, I stand firmly in the middle. I think both affect us. I think everything in life is balance. Everything in life is gray. I feel like black and white opinions a lot of the time make for very dangerous territory because we are nuanced, layered humans. But for me, it is one of my personal parenting intentions to make sure that my kids grow up understanding who they authentically are and feel that they can just be their authentic selves, especially in our household, because society itself, school, all the places outside of our home, those areas are hard enough. They're going to have a hard enough time figuring out who they want to be in those arenas. But under my roof, I really hope that they feel like they can be who they naturally want to be here. I don't want them to question their sense of self here in this household. Obviously, that's a tall order, but I really think that that starts young and starts when you have kids that you sometimes can't relate to, but you accept them anyways. When you have kids that frustrate you to no end and do things completely differently than you do, but you can accept it. So much of being a parent is facing the little human in front of us who's just mirroring the shit that we need to work on back to us. Got a kid who never seems to want to go with your plan? Maybe you need to work on always having to be the one with the plan. (laughs) Do you have a child that 
is incessantly loud, screaming, screeching, completely overbearing. Maybe something that you're being asked to look at by the universe is how you deal with stimulus and realizing that maybe you have a difficult time with it. You never had realized that over the course of your life until you had a screaming child in your house at all times. Why does that happen? Where did that come from for you? Or maybe being loud signifies taking up too much space and you're comfortable with playing small. Where did you learn that playing small and being quiet was better? Do you have a child who is just so themselves that they will wear the sparkly tutu, the rainbow wig, the, you know, Halloween costume out in public with no care in the world and it grates on your last nerve? Why is that? Why is this being presented to you? Is it something where their freedom makes you feel uncomfortable? Their unwillingness to bend to what is normal in society, something that you've done your whole life, makes you feel uncomfortable to witness? I say all of these things because that is what kids a lot of the time are here to do, to be themselves and for you to learn from them. It is a mutual relationship. We are learning from them just as much as they are learning from us. If we take these things that irk us and we take these things that we don't understand and we genuinely try to understand them, we get curious about them, we look into things like their human design. That is part of being a conscious parent. That is part of being a parent who wants to break patterns, who instead of shaming the kid who wants to wear the sparkly tutus and whatever into wearing something normal, you get to the bottom of, hey, that's actually pretty cool that they don't care what other people think about them. I clearly do. I clearly really struggle with that. Or, yeah, I never realized that actually my difficulty with loud noises stems from in childhood when blah, 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 right? There are so many moments that are just ripe for us to dig into understanding ourselves. And that really right there is, you know, the juice. That's the meat and potatoes of trying to consciously parent. It's not about being perfect. It's not about showing up as somebody who has it all together. It's just about being somebody who's curious and intentional with their children and wants them to be who they are to the best of your ability. I am so honored that today's episode is sponsored by Good Life Juice, the original Vancouver Island cold-pressed juice company. This locally owned and female-owned company has a selection of cold-pressed juices, cleanses, salads, and more. And part of the reason why I'm so excited to bring this to you today is because I have done their cleanses a few times and I love them. They are such an amazing reset, really easy to do, delicious, and they make you feel so energized and renewed after. You get to customize which cleanse you want. There's a few different ones. I like the Gateway Cleanse because I'm a caffeine addict and their Oola Latte is delicious. I'm not out here trying to suffer for three days on a cleanse. I still want my coffee. (laughs) There are a few different cleanses to choose from. The Green Junkie, the Gateway Cleanse, the Juice Till Dinner Cleanse, and you get to customize for how many days you'd like to do it. They then send you or you pick up all of your juices ready to go. Actually, one of the perks of this was not having to cook for three days, let me tell you. All of this to say, it's such an amazing reset. I could not believe the first time that I did it that I was not hungry. I only had juice, their juice, for three days, and I felt good. It is scientifically formulated to have the minerals and nutrients you need to feel good while you're doing this. 
I also want to hit home that the juices are delicious. There is no suffering as far as flavor goes of any kind. Make sure to go check out their website, www.goodlifejuice.com and follow them on Instagram at goodlifejuice. Good Life Juice has given Roomies a 10% off code, RAISETHEROOM10, to put into their website to get 10% off. That's raise the room 10 to get 10% off. Thank you, Good Life Juice, for allowing us to raise the room with a little juice. Cheers. I think it only makes sense to continue from here to talk about the five human design types, just to give a starting point in how it can help you understand yourself and your kids. And I say starting point because human design type the five types that you can be in human design is truly only the starting point. It's like the umbrella that everything else fits under. There are so many complexities within your chart. It goes beyond my level of understanding. Honestly, I'm still learning. Um, But having a good understanding of your type and then the other basics of your chart, your authority and your profile especially, really helps you get a good picture of many characteristics of that person. So we're going to start with manifestors. Manifestors are the only type that can create energy from nothing. This means that they are highly independent. They are the fire starters, the people that initiate change, whether they initiate change themselves or are the spark that initiate change in other people. These are the leaders of new movements. These are the inventors of new ideas. They are all about manifesting new things into reality. As kids, they're highly independent. They need to be in charge. So sometimes um, parenting a manifester can be really difficult because the parent-child dynamic is a little bit weird, honestly, for a manifester because they're designed to sort of do what it is that they want. And obviously in a family dynamic, that can be really hard because the parents most of the time have the say. Manifestors get these pings, these ideas that they are meant to follow. They will have urges and new ideas aplenty. And you'll find yourself maybe being frustrated if you're around a manifestor or you're a manifestor yourself because all of their ideas aren't always meant to be carried out to completion. They can be on to the next thing before they're finished the first thing a lot of the time. And that is how they're designed to be. So when you are living with a manifester or you are a manifester, honoring their need to have some say a lot of the time is really important and to have independence is hugely important. So if you're parenting a manifester, you really want to foster good problem-solving skills, healthy confidence, healthy resilience, so that they can be independent in a way that feels good to everybody. Final thought on manifestors too, it's important to say that often manifestors energy doesn't align very well with the traditional school system. So as a parent, it's important to take note of this. This doesn't mean you have to homeschool your kid or put them in an alternative school if that doesn't feel right to you. But if you notice once they hit school age, them not jiving with school or you feel like the the teachers don't fully understand them or you just notice a shift in their spirit, it can be because school is really meant to make people conform and manifestors are not really here to do that. So giving them the space after school and the understanding and compassion 
once they're at home, that school might be a lot for them. It might be a lot in the sense that it's just a genuine mismatch for their energy. So having their home be a safe haven is really, really key. I've also had quite a few clients that have manifestor kids who have taken their kids out of the public school system because it just has not worked for them. Self-design often works really well for manifestor kids, which means they sort of choose which areas they can study. They like find an area they're interested in and then um, develop understanding of that topic. Obviously, we still need the basics. You still need the basic literacy skills, the basic numeracy skills. I am a teacher after all, like you can't skip that. But it does give much more freedom for a manifester to follow their pings and urges. So I like to share that as almost a permission slip and a a reminder that your kid isn't bad or you yourself are not bad just because you don't fit in with the traditional school system. That is okay. The school system was invented a long ass time ago to try and train kids to be civilians that work. <laughs> so we're beyond that now. And don't get me wrong, I think school provides many wonderful op- opportunities for kids, but I also think it it can be really difficult when your manifester that only there are only eight or nine percent of the population of people are manifestors. So you're unique when you're in a group environment and a system that obviously is not designed for them. It can be something that parents feel badly about or feel ashamed about or kids feel bad about. There's no need for that. They are amazing, powerful creatures that honestly go down in history for the things that they've done and school can kind of squash that. So This is just your reminder that your manifestor is amazing. And even if their life or their school life starts out differently than other kids, that's okay. Remember the gifts that they have. Next, we're going to talk about generators. Oh, how I wish I was a generator. (laughs) Remember, there are no bad designs. Everybody is wonderful. But being somebody who has basically the opposite makeup of a generator, I, I am envious. Generators are our energizer bunnies of society. They are here to do the things that they love. They are meant to pour into their joy because when they do something that they love and feels satisfying and good to them, they get gifted more energy and therefore more ease in their life. And when they are doing the things that they love, their aura literally expands and it raises the vibe of the room. It raises the room, people. When you're around a generator that is in their joy, it's infectious. They are sparkly and magnetic. They wake up with a full tank of gas in the morning. Their battery is full and they are meant to fully drain their battery before resting, whether that's nap time for kids or bedtime for kids or adults. Truly, they are meant to be doing something that satisfies them. So as a parent, really ensuring that your kid gets to do what they want to do for a good portion of the day or as a balance, you know, you're taking them out to do some errands, knowing that maybe stopping by the park on the way home or whatever it is that they love doing, counterbalancing that is only going to help everybody because when a generator is not getting to do the things that they love and feeling satisfied, they get this sense of frustration. That's when as a parent, you're going to run into more battles with your kids. Or if you're married to a generator, you're going to notice them being tense and on edge. They need to be able to do the things that they love. That is what a generator is here to do. And when generators are able to pour into their joy, it literally benefits everybody around them. They are magical in that way. They can just really raise up 
the feeling, the mood of everybody around them. It's important if you're a parent of a generator or you're a generator yourself to be really teaching them mindfulness techniques and being present because generators are meant to respond to the world around them. Manifestors are meant to initiate change, to start something, whereas generators are meant to wait for things to come to them. And when they're in alignment, like I said, they're really magnetic. So they get sent things that are meant for them, but they'll find frustration when they're starting to or trying to start things on their own. So teaching your kids to be mindful and present and respond is really helpful. Although they will naturally do that. If you have a generator in your house, you know they respond to literally everything that's said, everything that drives by, every noise <laughs> that's made. What's that? What you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Like their responses can drive you up the freaking wall. And I'm telling you this from firsthand experience. So they don't actually need a lot of coaching, but they do need coaching to not get conditioned out of that. It can be easy as we grow up to start, you know, our minds letting us go back to past thinking or future thinking or get away from that presence that children are naturally born with. Try and get them to hold on to that. Generators are also really meant to be in tune with their bodies because their bodies give the physical response of what they want to respond to. They will get a physical yes sensation when they want to do something or a physical no sensation when they don't want to do something. So really using a lot of language like what does your body feel? Where are you feeling that in your body? And it's actually so cute because I've been doing this so much. My younger one is a generator and he now will ask other people that I literally just heard him the other day asking his big brother, hey, Bowen, does your body feel like playing hockey right now? <laughs> they came in the room. They saw the hockey sticks. He responded. He had a physical response to the hockey stick. And then it, it was natural to him to ask his brother, hey, does your body feel like playing hockey? I know to the outside world that probably sounds insane, but I actually felt so proud in that moment because as a generator, being connected to that physiological response is key to alignment in your life. Next, let's talk about a subset of generators that's a combo of a manifester and a generator. It's called the manifesting generator. In human design, there are four types only technically, but we consider the manifesting generator a fifth type because they are unique to both the manifester and the generator, and they make up about 30% of the population. Generators themselves make about 35% up of the population. Manifesting generators are a combination of the two. They are energizer bunnies as well. They're meant to do the things that they love. Um, They go, go, go. They need to drain their battery before they rest. But they hold on to that manifester need for change. They pivot and change their minds a lot. They get these ideas and pings and they move on to the next thing and aren't necessarily meant to finish the first thing first. They can have that more independent and the need to be in charge side like a manifester. But essentially, you can kind of take many of the characteristics of both of those and and have yourself a manifesting generator. For our manifesting generator at our house, my oldest, we're constantly trying to remind him to inform us of what it is that he's doing. As a manifester, you are meant to inform people of what your next idea is. And that's just to sort of keep everything going smoothly. And he constantly is going on to his next idea. He's got his manifester part of himself, like the ping has come in. And he'll just start something, but he won't tell us what he's doing. 
or tell his brother what he's doing once he's changed the plan for what they're playing. And I'm always trying to coach him like, hey, when you have idea, have an idea, just let us know what it is and we can go with it more easily. But he gets weirdly focused and won't answer. Like I'll literally be like, Bowen, what are you doing? Hey, Bo, I notice you're doing X, Y, Z. Can you tell me about it? Like I try all the nice ways and he'll be silent. It's almost like he gets spiteful about not wanting to share his idea. And so I gently after the fact have to remind him like, hey, you know what? If you had just told me that you wanted to use the Sharpie on your poster board to make a sign for what you and your brother were playing, I would have said yes. But just seeing you go over to the drawer, take out a Sharpie, knock some things over to try and get the poster board, like I'm intervening. I have to as a parent intervene because I don't know what you're doing. I want to trust you. I want to know that you're not going to take Sharpie to the wall, but I don't actually know that. So Bowen, if you let us know, you inform us and we give them sentence starters like, hey, I have an idea or my next step is or the thing I'm working on is so that he has phrasing and language to help him, then we're more likely to go with your plan. And so is your brother. If you just say to your brother, oh, I actually want to change this truck to make it do something while they're playing, you know, whatever it is, construction vehicles. Oh my God, never ending construction. Um, He'll probably be like, cool, you know, (laughs) but he runs into trouble when he doesn't inform and that's totally the manifester part of him. So if you have a manifesting generator at home, you know that they are busy. They're the biggest, they have the biggest battery of all of the types, if you will. They're meant to initiate change. They're going to be the movers and shakers. They probably will have a variety of interests over their lifetime, whereas a generator might get one thing they love and stick to that their whole lives. Generators are kind of here to achieve mastery in the things that they love, whereas a manifesting generator, they're going to be more like maybe a jack of all trades or somebody who has obsessions and then moves on to the next obsession. So just be prepared for um, lots of mind changes, lots of unfinished games. (laughs) Lots of thinking you know where you stand with your manifesting generator only to find out they're on to the next and you're once again out of the loop. They bring a lot of joy and a lot of newness to this world and um, mine certainly has taught me a lot. Next, we're going to talk about projectors. Projectors make up about 20% of the population. We're moving into the section that's called the non-energy types, the last two types, projector, reflector. A manifester also operates similarly in the sense that they have ebbs and flows of energy, unlike the generator types where they just go nonstop. But a projector really genuinely has a, a lower battery than the other types like and reflectors. We need to capitalize on the energy when we have it and we need to rest when we don't. And often projectors grow up with a a shadow or a shame point of feeling lazy because we just can't keep up with the generators of the world. What we've been gifted, however, is this idea of a big picture perspective. We are able to really see into situations and dynamics and often people really, really clearly, kind of from a higher level perspective, like a bird perched on the branch, getting to see what's going on below. Because of that, what we are good at is guiding and adjusting what's happening and making tweaks and improvements It's all about taking what's already there and up-leveling it. So if you live with a projector, 
inviting them to share what they see is really, really important. They want to offer their insights. One of the main lessons a projector has to learn in their lifetime is to not give unsolicited advice. People don't want your improvements unless you're being asked to give the improvements. And you will rub people the wrong way and your child will rub people the wrong way when they offer their thoughts on what could be improved if nobody's really looking for the thoughts. (laughs) So teaching your children or whoever the projector is in your life that invitations make them feel good and being clear like, well, did they ask you to say that? Were you invited to do this? And teaching them how to sense out what is a direct invitation and sometimes what's an energetic invitation. Like, were they curious? Were they asking lots of questions about the thing? Did you feel like they were somebody who would be open to what you had to say? Because those are also available to them. Projectors really need to feel seen and understood. So if you have a projector child at your house, they're highly sensitive people Validating their feelings is one of the best ways you can make them feel seen, even when it feels so freaking ridiculous. I mean, the amount of times we as parents have to validate our kids' feelings over something that we're just like, can we move on? (laughs) Really? Are we having these huge feelings about the fact that you don't want to wear a jacket? Like, really? But I promise you the battle will end sooner as long as they feel like they're understood. They might grumble, but they often will concede if they know that the parent gets where they're coming from, or at the very least is claiming to attempt to understand. And finally, the last type is called a reflector. Reflectors only make up 1% of the population. So by now you've gathered that generators and manifesting generators make up about 75 or 70% of our world. They are sort of what who our world is set up for. Manifestors, projectors, and reflectors are the minority types, if you will. Reflectors being the most unique of them all. Reflectors are here to absorb and sample and reflect the world around them. Environment is really key for a reflector because they will kind of take on or sample the energy of the room, the people they're around. They are here to kind of show us what is working and what is not working. Once they're in a new environment or on their own, because they're also highly independent, they will settle back into their own rhythms and gifts. But A reflector is here to really show us how things are going. And if you're parenting a reflector, having a safe space for them at home to hang out on their own is key. They need to be able to escape the world around them and go back to their little nest. They are very highly sensitive and attuned and open and sort of absorbing of everything that's going on. So you may notice that your reflector tires a little bit more easily or is more sensitive or mirrors back your own moods to you. If you're feeling like shit, they probably aren't going to be the easiest to parent in that moment. Reflectors also really heavily rely on their physical well-being to feel okay. They often will mirror other people's symptoms if they're around somebody who's unwell And so teaching them early on that their body is their body and that, you know, getting out of situations that don't feel good is really, really important for them. Kind of like manifestors, if you're parenting a reflector, school might be extremely draining for them. Actually, same with projectors too, but 
Reflectors may just be exhausted at the end of the day or you might feel like they show a different side of themselves at school than they do at home and that's okay. Reflectors are actually really naturally quite resilient. They're not meant to absorb and take on forever. They're meant to sample the energy around them. A reflector is the person that you want on your team letting you know how things are all going. They can also really clearly see what needs to be changed. Like I'll I'll never forget my human design mentor is a reflector. And she was talking about how to her it's just so clear with a lot of our environmental issues to like stop beef farming and how terrible that is on our environment. And I thought that was such an interesting reflector insight because even though I don't know much about that issue at all, coming from her mouth, I was like, yeah, I guess that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) And finally, one thing to kind of keep an eye out for with your reflector is the feeling of disappointment. They often feel let down or disappointed when they're out of alignment, when they're sensing something is off in the people or the situation around them, when their reflector abilities are reflecting something that is unhealthy, not thriving. They will feel a sense of disappointment. And what you really want for your reflector is to feel a sense of surprise, that surprise that things are working and things are healthy and thriving is a feeling that you want your proje- your reflector child or your reflector self to chase. Understanding how much information you can glean just from somebody's human design type, I think clearly illustrates how helpful it can be in managing your family dynamic. I know I've mentioned on here before, learning that I was a non-energy type and that my first child basically has the most energy of all of the types was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know that. I can feel it in my bones. And understanding why being a projector and needing a lot of alone time and needing to feel seen, why becoming a new mother was like really freaking hard because neither of those things happen when you're in the thick of it. Or... For us, like me constantly being frustrated early on that my son never finished anything that he started or constantly was changing his mind or pivoting, I now know that's one of his gifts as a manifesting generator, essentially, because it means over the course of his lifetime, he's going to experience a wide variety of things. And that's what he's meant to do. He's not meant to hold on to things forever. And so when you see it through that lens, it's like, okay, we're no longer playing snakes and ladders. We're on to the next. That's fine. Or, okay, I really thought he had landed on his final decision, but guess we're changing our mind again. (laughs) And obviously there's boundaries to be held sometimes, but where possible, I try and let him just trust his intuition when he does need to change his mind. I have human design type videos for parents that I've created that go in on about 30 to 40 minutes worth of content just on your child's type and practical strategies and how to work with them on my website. They're $38 Canadian. You can watch at your leisure. They're broken down into four different segments. I'm really proud of these videos. I think they're a wonderful tool for any parent that's trying to understand the little human in front of them. And when you do get this video, you then also get exclusive access to a link to do what's called the remainder reading with me, which is us going over the other important uh, aspects of your child's chart, their authority, so how they best make decisions, and their profile, so how their personality presents and works with others. 
you can do that reading for $55 with me and you only get to do that reading if you've purchased the course. So those are on my website, danicamarie.com slash courses, and that's Danica with a C. Currently, my website is in need of a rebrand. Maybe one day in the future, if you're listening, <laughs> way on down the line, I no longer need to say that, but I feel the need to say it so people aren't deterred, like, what, where am I? I'm not at Raise the Room. You are. It's just one of the things on my to-do list. So thank you for listening to my spiel on human design and parenting today. If you have any questions about what I've said or anything you'd like to add, please feel free to email me at raisetheroompod at gmail.com. I'm happy to answer or just send me a DM, raise.the.room on Instagram. I'm always down to talk about human design. And I just wanted to say to all of you parents out there who take the time in your free time to listen to shows about parenting, read books, do all the things to up-level and try to do best by your child, I want to say thank you for all that you are and all that you bring to the table and for continuing to raise the room. Until next time. Bye. Thank you so much for spending your precious time here with me today. If you'd like more, please follow along at raise.the.room on both Instagram and TikTok. Or you can go to my website, danicamarie.com. That's Danica with a C. Here you can book a human design session with me for you or your child. Or you can get one of my human design parenting courses that helps you understand your child's human design type. They're designed to help you work with the child you have instead of against them. And finally, if you're still here, this would be the point where I'd ask you to rate and review the podcast. Except just saying it out loud makes me want to die. So instead, I'll say, please share with a friend. I'd really appreciate it. And finally, let's always remember that with all that you have to offer, you will always raise the room. Can't wait to chat soon. Bye.